Listening to Thoughtless Casual Gaming with Brett and Jace. I am Brett. He is Jace. We are a Geelong-based gaming podcast where we play games badly and then talk about them. And you are listening to episode two of our new Blood Bowl Focus. We wanted to get a couple of these out. We've had do have a Blood Bowl Sevens tournament on this Saturday, so hopefully we'll be able to get these out a bit before then. But the idea is to keep churning them out as long as people want them as long as they listen to them so we'll stop in a minute <laughs> uh we are gonna dive straight into our second team and for this one we've chosen the necromantic horror team the necro team do you want to give a bit of a rundown of the necro team the blurb <laughs> yes um and look safe to say this is a team i am rather fond of (laughs) i mean that being said i haven't played them a lot in their their most recent incarnation but their previous version which was very similar uh is a team that is pretty near and dear um but the dead do not rest easy From haunted castles to sinister forests, undead creatures prowl the night, snatching unwary villagers from their beds. Well, some of them do. For the rest, there's Blood Bowl. So many necromancers, proficient at corpse raising and flesh crafting, but lacking any real plan on how to use their skills, realise that warm dugouts are lovely alternatives to musty tombs and dank barrows, and therefore decide to assemble a team of players quite literally. Interestingly, a schism of sorts seems to have occurred leading to two competing philosophies when it comes to coaching an undead team. Some necromancers put their trust in the ancient dead, while other necromancers prefer a little more life in their team, buying the services of werewolves with promises of fresh meat and stitching together hulking flesh golems from an assortment of cadavers. So this is, yeah, one of two options as far as your undead type teams go. You've got your shambling undead, which are a little bit different, but the necro team as jay so eloquently put it in not his own words gives you a bit more life in said team you got a couple of options here again there's five different positions you can have uh zero to 16 zombie linemen for a cheap cheap cost of 40k each movement four strength three edge four plus no passing ability whatsoever uh, nine plus armor and come complete with regeneration you can have zero to two ghoul runners, 75k, seven movement, three strength, three plus edge, four plus passing, eight plus armor value with dodge, zero to two race, 95k, six movement, three strength, three plus edge, again, no passing, because we'll get to that in a minute, nine plus armor value. They have block, foul appearance, regeneration, sidestep, and no hands, which is why they can't pass the ball, because they can't touch the ball. Zero to two werewolves, 125k each, eight movement, three strength, three plus edge, four plus passing, nine plus armor, claws, frenzy, regeneration, and zero to two flesh golems, 115k each, four movement, 
4 strength, 4 plus edge, no passing, 10 plus armor value, regeneration, stand firm, 6 skull. Rerolls are 70k each. Um, they're classified as tier 2, which is probably about right, uh, but they do not get access to an apothecary because, as you can probably hear, most of them come with regeneration to start off with. So... <clears throat> The other thing they also get is because they are an undead team, their head coach is considered a necromancer. So that means that if you are lucky enough in a, let's say, league play to kill an opposing character of strength four or less, uh, you get a free zombie. One per game, but that's a free zombie. And that happens. Sometimes it happens more often than you think it does. It's a little bit juicy and it just means that you continue just having those extra players that wanted to reserve. So when something gets taken off the pitch for a bit, you're not players down uh, and you're not playing, but like you're paying for them in your team value, but you're not paying for them out of your treasury. You can save that cash for something a little bit juicier. That 4k, uh, 40k zombies, I mean, they're cheap. They're, they're not the greatest of players, but, push comes to shove they're great fouling piece they're they're just getting away um they're a bit a little bit of hindrance for your opponent and having Mm -hmm. more is always better than having less and realistically armor nine strength three they're not going fast but they're actually kind of little handy little speed bumps that can be painful to get rid of Mm -hmm. you add regen onto that and there's less chance of them dying and staying off the pitch and they just keep getting in the way. They are a frustration piece uh, and they do that epically well for the bargain basement cost of 40k. That's it. So pros and cons of this team. The choices. Oh my gosh, the choices. Oh my God, it's it's the best. And look, some would say it's the con. I think it is the pro of the team in that you cannot fit all your positions into your starting roster. You cannot build a starting roster that has everything that you want because it costs too much. And that I think is the joy of the team in one regards. You have to make choices from the bat on how you want to play them. And that's kind of the fun. It's a pro and a con all in the same time. Uh, They have, you know, all these amazing pieces. Your ghouls are amazing ball carriers. They've got dodge. They've got three, three strength, seven movement. Three plus edge, you you're sticking a ball on a ghoul quite often. Mm-hmm. The rates, I mean, while they are changed from the uh, the whites of previous editions with uh, their no hands, they've got sidestep now. They come with block. They come with foul appearance. Uh, they they're actually a better piece than what I originally thought they would be. Yeah, and I think these were the the controversial change was the move to the no hands on the wraith. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it the whites in the previous edition gave you an extra ball carrying threat, which this removed. Um, but it gives you dedicated hitting. Yes, you are not doing anything else with them. You can skill them out to do that and just maximize it. Sidestep is fundamentally always a good skill. Uh, so whilst yeah, the no hands is a pretty pretty massive neck trait, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, it means that they are a very focused piece. And foul appearance, again, is just one of those ones that occasionally just pays off and just frustrates the hell out of your opponent. 
Just, just you've got to remember to make sure that it's used. Like this, yes. this is on you. Foul appearance is on you as the player. Make sure that your opponent is rolling those foul appearance anytime they want to hit you, because one time out of six, they're not going to be able to. Uh, moving on from the race, uh, let's skip straight to the golems. So four strengths: stand firm, thick skull, regen. I'm a ten. I'm a ten. Like they are solid, solid pieces. The the negatives here, like the the movement for for your zombies and your golems, is a hindrance. Because if you're, I mean, if you're caging up, if you're using any of those guys in a cage, your cage is not moving very fast. You you are basically relying on the other team members for your movement. You slow and steady wins the race. Let's say with these guys look and this will be a recurring theme for some teams that we, we hit across where you've got a real difference in the movement values of of the kind of punchy or support characters to the scoring ones um it's so, very common it's not not like the last team that we did with skaven where everybody moved everybody's fast everywhere so the challenge you get with this is not only because you do have some pieces that have a, a slower movement value, which means that you can't get into stupid positions and then just move eight squares around the board to save mm-hmm. yourself. Um, you need to allow for that. So, But also it's really easy to separate your, your fast positionals from those support pieces and actually not be close enough to get them back in time. So it takes a little bit of planning and thinking and just making sure you, you're considering where you might need to get to to make sure that those flesh golems and those zombies aren't too far away to, to come in and support later as well. You just overextend is very easy to do. Yep. Uh, shall we move straight on to, to the stars of the piece? Let us. <laughs> the last character, the werewolf, the most expensive piece in the team is fundamentally why you play this team is, is the werewolves. Oh, they are the most versatile piece. They are movement eight straight off the bat. That is one of the best movements. There is strength three uh, with edge three plus. So them and your race as no, sorry, them and your ghouls, sorry, are going to be your ball carriers depending mm-hmm. on how you're playing. The Claws, Frenzy, Regeneration, they can also pack a punch. Mm-hmm. So Regeneration is important on this one because it, these guys will again be targets. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are the ones that you want to take off the pitch. The The scary part with with the Necromantic team is even if you take the Wolves off the pitch, you still have other scoring threats in the Ghouls. Um, so that can be a piece that, you know, is both a pro and a con. You have definite targets on their back. But to to your point, they move eight, they edge three, they've got agility skills as a primary, so you can skill these suckers up to score very quickly. Uh, and like we mentioned in the previous episode, you can score these up to blitz and score. You can, you mm-hmm. can skill them up. So... Frenzy is a little bit of a liability in that instance in that you have to follow up so you can't push someone away and, and you have to knock them down to have, not dodge. Um, but your movement eight, 
edge three plus, which means that you actually got a relatively good chance, especially after one or two skills, to, to be able to dodge away. And claw means that if you do knock someone down, you have a at least an average chance, if not better than average chance, of getting through that armor and keeping them down for a turn and freeing yourself up and just starting to play the numbers game. That is probably the piece that this team struggles with. They're relatively resilient, decent armor, regen, some thick skull and, and stuff across the board. So whilst they're not the strongest team on the pitch, they can be a little bit hard, but there's no strength five. Yeah. There's no... You you've don't only get a big got, guy. You've only got two strength four pieces available to you if you take them both, uh, which can be very expensive and you know something you're probably not going to do for a lot of a season if you're playing a league. So you still have to think about pretty carefully who you're targeting, how you're targeting it, and how you're keeping those players safe because you can get a couple of lucky rolls, some, leaving some players exposed. If you only have wraiths, zombies, and maybe a flesh golem on the pitch, it ain't so good for the scoring. No. no. And that's, that's the piece here. You want to... Your team is so versatile. You have so many options from the get-go of how you build this team. You probably want to have a bit of a focus going in. Know exactly the the sort of game that you want to play with these guys because they, you know, the werewolves 125k, the flesh golems 115, wraith 95. They're all high cost pieces. Mm -hmm. And you, it, like we said, you're not going to get all of them in any team. So at least for the first couple of games in the league, you want to know how you want to play them, how you're going to get the most out of them, and then perhaps start building those bonus pieces on as extra players later on down the track. There's, there's a couple of choices you've got when you're building a team here. One is to maximize your scoring potential and you throw in both of the wolves mm -hmm. and maybe a ghoul as well as your key. And then you kind of fit your positions around it yeah. after you, you've thrown them in. I will say with no dedicated ball handling skills and no edge two on the board at all, they are one of the ones that I would suggest would be a three reroll team mm -hmm. as, as a starting point. Again, I don't believe in more than three rerolls, but these, <laughs> this would be, a, I would put in three rerolls into my roster and then I would choose, am I getting both the wolves? Am I going high scoring? I'm going both the wolves and a ghoul maybe. Your other option is you can go high bash and you can throw both of the flesh golems in. You might only get one wolf if you're lucky. You might not be able to get a ghoul or you forego the wolves completely and you, you load up on the ghouls and the wraiths and that's kind of how you decide to play that. Third option is you mix that up a little bit. You row, run one wolf, one golem. One goal, you try and fit maybe both rates in. So you have a, a lot of choices about whether you want to go high score, high bash, a bit in between at your starting roster. And that's just at the starting roster before we add skills, before we start doing anything else. That's it. I mean, just on, on that note, there's a couple of very common, very basic 1 million K, 1 million starting rosters for an 11s team so if you want to look at the more scoring one two werewolves 
two wraiths, two ghouls, five zombies, three rerolls. There's your 100k. Going the other way, going the bit of the bash route, where one werewolf, one ghoul, two golems, two wraiths, six zombies, two rerolls, 100k. You know, there, there are so many different ways that you can play this team, and that's part of the fun in them. Plus, you know, some of them look really cool. Like, hey. the, there are some amazing, amazing models around there. The, the GW models are very stylized. They've, they've gone. They've gone a little bit cartoony in this, this regard. I mean, I mm-hmm. feel like the paint job that they gave them doesn't necessarily help. That you go orange or black stripes uh, with, with a green spot color, and all of a sudden it is very, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it is Halloween on the Disney Channel. Uh, you could definitely switch that right up with it with a decent paint scheme. But there's also so many other options out there for. For teams, I think mm-hmm. mine is one of the Willy miniatures, or no, mine's mm-hmm. like one of the Ga- Gazpers Arts teams. Okay, um, there are a few different uh, manufacturers making them out there, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with a bit of mix and match as well. No, absolutely not. So yeah, mine. I'm just having a quick look here. Do do bear with me. Great podcasting material. Fellowship games was mine so i got the necromantic team through them and the like the golems are obscenely cool in that the werewolves are a bit more chunkier than the the gw <laughs> version um that being said that with the gw stuff the golems are like really good i really like the golems that the gw has done the werewolves are good they're just a bit uh slim they've definitely mind. gone for the the, the lean approach yeah yeah, I am definitely more fond of the Shambling Undead models than I am of the Necro, but I'm more fond of the Necro team. Yep. That being said, yeah. I mean, you know, conversions ahoy, you, you, there's so many things that you can do. So, When half your team is zombies, and zombies could be legitimately zombies from any, like the Mantic zombies are good models They're off mm-hmm. the bat. You know, there are so many things available, and there are some teams or some companies out there that produce racial zombies so dwarf elf lizard and orc zombies i actually need to get my hands on a a pack of those to to fill out the team and they they are so good especially if that necro necromancer comes in handy and you start killing models on your opponent's teams and and they come back as zombies on your team it's it'd be so thematic to have a dwarf zombie after killing a dwarf just and you name guys. him. You name him the same as the player you murdered, yes. and you rub it in the face of the coach. It's the best. Oh, it's, yeah, plenty, plenty of options. That this team is just—it's one of the most versatile out there, and you can play it however you want to play it. The—it's got strength. It's got movement. The ball handling skills probably is, is your drawback. You know, that three plus to pick up the ball after it's been kicked to you is going to fail more times than you want yeah. it to. That being said, you, your first skill on a ghoul is a lot of the time sure hands, mm-hmm. which you can do in his first skill. Uh, so there is nothing stopping you fixing that problem pretty quickly. Yep. 
Just need to level uh, him up. Touchdown two, away you go. Um, so, yeah, look, I've given a couple of 11s options. Sevens gets a little bit more tricky, doesn't it? They are tough only because the real stars are so damn expensive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at 125K, your werewolves, when you need to fit seven players on the pitch, if you want any other mm-hmm. support for them, it just it gets very hard to cram. Two of them is pretty much half your your treasury right there. So you can do you can do one of each mm-hmm. in a sevens team quite easily. So you can have one ghoul, one wraith, one werewolf, one fillish golem. You can also sort of I believe I'm trying to do the quick mental maths in my head, but I think you can get two werewolves, a wraith and a ghoul. Couple of zombie, make it up to seven. Uh, just because your key pieces are more expensive, they are the pieces you want to go with. You don't want to be stuck with too many zombies on a sevens team because you're only, you've only got seven people on the pitch. And then yeah, and they're moving four, so you're not getting anywhere fast if that's the way you want to play it. Yeah. You you really don't want more than three zombies on the field. If you can at all help it. You can do two wolves, the wraith and the ghoul. That goes not a problem. Yep, that's what I thought. All right. Um, there look. I feel like you've got much more options with this than say the shambling undead. Yeah, the <laughs> The undead team is a little bit tougher with the the whole. I mean, they they are less of a ball cat playing team, and they are fundamentally they are a stronger team. They will hit harder. They will not move as fast. So they are about shambling up the pitch and hitting stuff and knocking it out the way and grinding your way. Whereas this team, what this really gives you is an opportunity to do a little bit of that, cage up, consolidate, make sure you've got plenty of supports. The zombies are there. They're they're kind of clogging the works and making your opponent work for stuff. And then all of a sudden you find yourself an opening and you've got a movement seven or a movement eight piece with the ball that can just blow out of a a hole and touch down out of nowhere. So it gives you that really quick scoring threat. Uh, And then the piece as a coach is to make sure that you're not overexposing those pieces so they can be hit too early. You're only doing it when they're at a point that they can score and that you are really – it is about a little bit of patience, which is terrifying in Blood Bowl. It's hard (laughs) to do but it's making sure that you are kind of supporting everybody up until the point that you become a threat or it's no longer an option. You just have to go balls to the wall. Yep. So they're not like we talked in Skaven where you can just score as fast as you possibly can all the time. This isn't quite that team, but equally you've got a lot of quick chances. So, you know, where you might be scoring in turn two with Skaven, it might be turn three here, just so you get a little bit of a chance to eke up the pitch. Yeah. The other thing that this we haven't talked about a lot, yeah. We talked a little bit about in Skaven, but frenzy. Being able to have two frenzied pieces on the, the pitch is a terrifying control. Mm. So 
all of a sudden it is not safe, especially when they're movement eight, for any of your opponents to stand on the pitch, on the edge of the pitch. You will push them into the pitch and probably still into the crowd and probably still have movement to get off the edge of the pitch yourself. So the additional control that you get by having a couple of pieces that can crowd surf from two squares away is kind of juicy. And it just gives, again, it's about giving your opponent something else to think about. And that's probably where we start talking foul appearance is something for them to think about. Stand firm is something for them to think about because fundamentally after you've played a few games of Blood Bowl, you go, right, I'm going to hit you and I'll at least push you back to this square and then you kind of start planning the what the pitch will look like after that move and you hit stand firm and nothing changes and you have to kind of rethink stand where you're at. one of those skills that, that always seems to, to take an opponent slightly off guard because they are fully expecting to at least push you mm-hmm. back into it and you know, maybe push you out of the cage, away from the ball, uh, get themselves a little bit closer. And Stand Firm takes people off guard more often than people expected, I think. And, and the fact that your golems have it straight away. Off the bat, it's just one more thing, and they're the pieces that you want to put in the way because they're the strength four pieces. Mm-hmm. Um The other thing, I mean, just following on from that, is I find that Stand Firm is surprisingly one of those pieces that, or one of those skills that still takes experienced players by surprise. You just, I think you're automatically just planning on what you're so used to, you've seen so many times, and you know consciously, like I, I know at the front of my head, this piece has Stand Firm, but when you're going through and you're just going, right, I'm going to do this and this and this, and then the pitch will change and the positions of players will move and it will now look like this and that means I can do this and this and this. Sometimes it's a really easy one to skip and you go, oh, that's right, stand firm means I'm not pushing you, which is just what I'm so used to doing, so I've just kind of automatically accounted for it. So it, it is one of those ones I find that even experienced coaches get a little bit kind of surprised by every once in a while, which is, is fun. I do also like sort of surprising a bit more, some of the the bit more experienced coaches with choosing not to use stand firm at some points mm-hmm. and just go, okay, well, it's actually more beneficial for me to go backwards a square here. So they're like, stand firm? I'm like, no, nah, not this time. It's something that you can play around with to your advantage. I mean, quite often that advantage is going to be to stay exactly where you are. But there's going to be the odd occasion where moving backwards is a good thing. Yeah, and I mean, if we take the case of a frenzy piece as an example with an assist, Mm -hmm. they know that you've got stand firm, so a push just means that they hit you again with exactly the same parameters if they've accounted for that. Stand firm is one of those skills that you may choose to use, you may choose to ignore. So if you choose to get pushed back for that first one and mess up their calculation of who assists what and all of a sudden they're doing a one die or an uphill block, that is good news for you. Ah, necromantic. Is there anything they can't do? I mean, run together. <laughs> all at different speeds. Yeah. I mean, is undeath life? I don't Hmm. Look, there is, as I said, the, the, the fundamentally the piece here is if you 
your werewolves have, will have massive targets, absolutely. Uh, and the ghouls will have targets because they are the scoring threats. And if an opponent can deal with those pieces, the wraiths can't touch the ball. Not going to happen. And you're probably not going to do a whole lot of scoring with a zombie or a flesh collar. No, not an awful lot. But that being said, if you have two werewolves, two ghouls, that's four threats. They're all strength three, so it's going to take effort to get rid of any of them. Mm -hmm. If your opponent can get rid of all four of those threats and get them off the field or stunned or whatever the case may be, then then maybe reevaluate the way that you're setting things out because yeah, that, that yeah. should take an experienced player quite some time to do. And it absolutely should. Um, and it would take a an experienced player that rocks up to that game and goes, right, first priority, I'm going to kill that wolf. And when that wolf is off the table, then I'm going to kill that one. And they've got not only the, the kind of forethought and the discipline to do that but they've also got a team that can do it because it may involve fouling it might involve you know other stuff that that risks their players as well so you know you've got to show up with all the right tools and then the dice have to play your way and nuffle has to love you and none of those things are ever going to happen all at once (laughs) um plus you've also got to be playing the game at the same point if you're focused on taking these pieces out then the other pieces are just running around the other side yeah, I will. It is just more of a bit of a balancing act. You want to score quickly, but not too quickly. You want to again, and that's where this can call this can catch you out because if they just over the course of the game, over that first half, start of the second half, just start whittling up those key players, uh, it becomes a lot harder to get that quick touchdown back in return. So. You still have to you have to score fast, but you have to not overexpose your players, your, your key positions. You have to support everybody, but you have to make the most of the the movement. You've got to use those players that I mean, fundamentally, wolves are amazing blitzers. You can do great things with them, but you've got to risk them getting hit back. So it is real risk and reward. It's a real kind of balancing act, and that is you know, every time someone blitzes or blocks a wolf your bum puckers a little bit like you, you just, you just kind of have that moment where you stop breathing and that's the fun bit for me. Like that's the bit I really enjoy. It's like, Oh, those little, little kind of, uh, you know, the, the throat moments where you just, Oh God, uh, that's where blood ball gets fun. And that's so, going to happen every so single many game. Things, so many things I could say about you and your love of bum things and throat things and we'll just carry on uh the other thing to bear in mind too with your werewolves like if they are focused on your werewolves your werewolves have regeneration too so even if they're off the pitch there's a 50 percent chance that they're going off the pitch into the reserves so they'll be right back next touchdown next half you know probably like if it was me if i had the option and I had a ghoul and a werewolf that were equally achievable. I'd be probably hitting the, the ghouls to start off with, depending on the scenario. But the ghouls are going to stay off, dead faster. They are. They don't. They're the only piece that don't have regeneration. So if you get a ghoul off the the pitch, you get it injured. It's mm-hmm. not coming back. If you get Stand it KO'd, it's you know fifty percent chance of it not coming back. 
next time. And their armor and their armor eight, which means they're also the ones that you're more likely to actually take off the pitch in the first instance. Agreed. They are you don't get as attached to them because they're not werewolves, mm-hmm. and that's why you're playing necromantic horror. But yep. they are the ones that your opponent can take off the pitch the most easily and just start start changing the, the balance of power mm-hmm. in scoring. Um, the other thing with this, and, and speaking of you know regen and, and going back into the reserves box, given that they have a quick ability to score and to turn around, they are also one of those teams that you may choose if you've got a couple of pieces sitting in reserves or knocked out and things like that, you may actually choose to let your opponent push a touchdown through mm-hmm. to get players back on the pitch because you can turn it around quickly. You're going to get the ball. You're going to move it up the pitch. You're going to equalize or get back ahead. So it is also one of those ones where you may choose at times to take your foot off the pedal a little bit in defense, let your opponent in so you can get your players back on the pitch and just go hard. There's a lot to be said about when you let your opponent score. And there are there are many times in Blood Bowl games where you will actually legitimately want your opponent to score because you know that you have the upper hand on a kickoff, you have the upper hand going into the next half, whatever the case may be. Uh, those sort of uh, tricks and, and knowledge is really important in a game. Yeah. And that'll come. That'll come with practice. So, look, there are teams not to do that with. Maybe not do it with dwarves. Um, getting no. it back is is tricky. <laughs> but any team that has a a high ability to turn a, a touchdown around quickly, yeah, look, it's a legitimate tactic. Necro, super fun. Super fun. I, I am itching like to, to play a proper league Necro team because, I mean, I have mine sitting there ready. I have been wanting when, to play them since I got those models like last when year. When you sometime. say proper league, well, what do you mean? I mean a proper league, like sevens, like okay, elevens. Okay. Doesn't any, uh, any of the above? Any of the above. Um, Maybe maybe a league that I take it a little bit more seriously than than playing halflings. Let's say that was some serious flings. I did enjoy the flings. I must say, I yeah, didn't look, win very much, but I did enjoy them. The the werewolves are one of those ones that, or, or the the werewolves, the necromantic horror team, the werewolves, uh, the werewolf team with friends. Yeah. That's pretty much the way I play it. It is legitimately all about the wolves and how much, man. And, like, especially you start playing a league with these guys and the werewolves very quickly either die or get a reputation. And Mm -hmm. just having them on the pitch freaks the hell out of your opponent. And it's the best because mind games. They hate them and they want them dead and they put too much attention on them and then you score with a goal. Um, or they just do what wolves do and you crowd surf a couple and you claw a big guy and it's great. <laughs> Everybody wins. I love them. It's the only thing, only thing with Dungeon Ball, College mm-hmm. of Death, like it's like all of the good stuff apart from the werewolves. So you can have the necro guys apart from the werewolves and the shambling undead guys. So. Which is why the College of Beasts is fundamentally a better option. 
Yes, but I want to play mummies and golems and ghouls and wraiths and whites and. We'll just play a standard necromantic horror team in a league and leave Dungeon Bowl to the good colleges. <laughs> so says you. Anyway, uh, that's all I've got. Look, I could talk about Wolves for days, but that is fundamentally my view on, on necromantic horror. Yes, they are, they are fun. You should play them. Get involved done thanks for listening uh if you haven't already give us a follow on facebook spotify podbean twitch tweetbean twitterfy tweetbook whatever they are uh, twitterable twitterable <laughs> twitter <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to help twitch us chat? out twitch chat yeah that works twitstagram uh, <laughs> now we're just getting silly which is our usual episode. So, yeah. Uh, and if you want to support us, help us uh, give back to the community, help us run a few more giveaways. Uh, we are currently running a painting competition, which is uh, all the way for another month. So we've got the rest of February for that. Um, all the money from Patreons goes straight to uh, prizes and giveaways. So get involved. Like, like even if you don't want to, if you, don't want to give us money that's fine totally understand that point of view um i wouldn't give us money but i don't want to give us money so i 100 percent. you you definitely don't give us money but um (laughs) i feel like it's counterproductive to be your own patreon that's kind of well yeah there is that there is that uh but Get involved in the in the painting. We say painting competitions. I keep on saying competitions. It's not a competition. It's an event where we're having a bit of fun. We're giving a painting challenge. Um, get involved in the giveaways and the the challenges and stuff like that that we do. Because the more people that get involved, the the more fun it is for everyone involved. And um, we've seen we've run a couple of these painting events and just the the awesome stuff that we have seen. It's just, it it blows the mind. There's been some pretty crazy entries, guys, and we would like to see yours. Yes. Show us yours. On that note, thanks for listening. Laters. Cheers, all. Catch you.